This is a No Land in Sight podcast production. Welcome to Is That Movie Still Good? The podcast where we take a movie from the past, give it a thorough rewatching, and ask the question, is that movie still good? Tonight, we're going to go out into the garage, we're going to dig around, we're going to find that old life jacket that we used to take on the boat with mom and dad, see if it still fits, and see if we can still float. You might need that life jacket tonight as we revisit 1984's Splash. So, strap it on, jump in the water, here we go, Splash. Welcome back, friends. Uh, this is Is That Movie Still Good? Nate is here. I am here. We are full uh, from some pizza from our good friends at The Post, and we are ready to talk about Splash from 1984. Yeah, Splash. Uh, you know, what do you remember about this movie? So I remember uh, this movie, this is one of those that we had on the, the dubbed VHS tapes, and yeah, so I watched yeah. it a lot. I didn't watch it as many times as Brewster's Millions like we talked about last season, but it, it is one that I remember from that Um there's one particular scene in that that I remember very vividly that we'll get to later in it, um, but it was one that I watched several times, you know, when I was 12, 13 years old or whatever. What yeah, about you? I, 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 was, I was trying to think of when I saw this movie or, like, was it an HBO? Did we even actually go to the theater? Because this might have been one parents... I, I didn't even look up. What was PG? I, it, it was PG, yes. Yeah, so this might have been one mom and dad took me to the theater to see. Uh, I, I don't really remember when I saw it, but I know I saw it as a kid a lot of times. Have not seen this movie since, like, probably junior high. Yeah, I hadn't mid, seen it in forever Early either. 80s, mid yep. to early 80s. Uh, so, you know, I, I kind of came into it um, with an open mind. Mm-hmm. And just, and, and really, you know, when we discussed doing this movie, I thought this one was really, really good because it's like this really was one that is going to be an interesting conversation because, you know, going with our theme, is this movie still good? We have not seen this one forever. You do not see it on TV a lot. Nope. It's, Does Tom Hanks own this like Bosom Buddies where he won't let like, other people I, watch it? I have no idea. It's a great question. But <laughs> but you don't ever see this one. You don't. You don't. You don't ever see it on TV. Uh, but, uh, you yeah, so was, uh, yeah, I was kind of excited for it. Um yeah, and, and post 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 game, I'm I'm not so sure. <laughs> so I liked it, um, and I'll. But there are a lot of things to talk about that are imperfect about it, and there are scenes about it that I don't like. Is there? Do you have? You don't even have to tell me what it is, but uh, just generally the thing that you least liked about this movie. Uh, just the um, well, number one. Well, if I had to pick one thing, that's gonna be hard. But probably just the cliche writing. Uh-huh. You know, just the, you know, obviously you all know how I feel about like a put together love story. Now, I actually thought the love story in this one was actually pretty This cute, is a clever. sweet love story. This cute is a movie clever. with a lot of heart. Yeah, this was actually, and they should have stuck to that. Um, well, way, way, way overdone antagonist. Yes. And Eugene Levy. Um, the comic relief with John Candy was good, but a little overdone. Yeah. Um, and a lot, even, even Tom Hanks, and granted this was, you know, very early on in his career, way overacted it. Well, so, yeah, let me get into that real quick. I'll tell you quickly that my, my least favorite thing about this movie is the ending, and I will save it for the ending to just uncork on that. <laughs> the ending is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, probably, that's probably what I don't like about this movie is it was, you know, if, 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 you're, if it's just going to be a stupid movie, give me a stupid movie, and I could, like Cannibal Run, which is a stupid movie, but right. it was still funny. Where this movie, I think it tried to do too many things. And so it tried to be cute and funny and it landed okay there. But then there were just parts of it where it was just like, this is almost unwatchable. Yeah. I I never found it unwatchable, but I did find it very cliche 1980s movie. And, uh, you know, this is the second movie that we've done from 1984. We did Amadeus at the end of last season. And, you know, as you, you were ticking down all the great movies in 1984, Splash was one of them that came up. And there are so many movies that are entertaining around this time. And it's entertaining for entertainment's sake. But if we're going to break it down as elite film, it probably doesn't measure up. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, you have elite talent. Absolutely. But you also have elite talent kind of in their, the very beginning of their career. You know, obviously you mentioned Tom Hanks. Um, I, was this his first big feature or first major one? So here's the thing. We talked about Tom Hanks uh, when we were doing a Bruce Willis film earlier, and you asked about the, the people who had successfully made the transition from TV to movies. Yeah. And uh, Tom Hanks's career is, I think, kind of unique, if anything can be kind of unique. But he, he did Bosom Buddies on TV, and he had done some other TV stuff like Family Ties and Love Boat and Taxi just for an episode or two. 
But then he goes in directly in the comedies because he's a comedic actor at this point. So Splash is his first full-length motion picture. And so he goes through this, this, this progression of Splash and Bachelor Party and Money Pit and Dragnet and Big and Turner and Hooch. And so he's this comic actor. In comedies with heart, but still a comic actor, right? He's not slapstick, but he's still a comic actor. Then he gets a couple of dramedies, A League of Their Own, Sleepless in Seattle, so he's transitioning a little bit. And then all of a sudden with Philadelphia, it's on, and he is a true acting giant, right? Like he shows up for Philadelphia. He does what the Oscars love. He plays a character that um, is complex. He loses a lot of weight. He's in, in this edgy kind of a role, and he does Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, um, Saving Private Ryan, The Green Mile, Castaway, uh, Charlie Wilson's War. I mean, just on and on and on. And uh, so he. What was his last great? Castaway was probably his last really big movie. So I disagree with that. I think Captain Phillips was. See, I never saw Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips. Was it good? It was fantastic. And I, I was wondering, you know, Castaway was 2001. I'm like, what's this Tom Hanks guy been up to for 16 years? Right. <laughs> well, I was surprised because he's, he's been nominated for five Oscars. He mm-hmm. won twice for Philadelphia Forrest Gump. Back to back. Back to back. the only people, if the only One of the few people that? that's done that. Yeah. Um, and he's also been nominated for Castaway, Private Ryan, and Big. I didn't yeah. realize. He, I forgot he was nominated for Big. Yeah. But, but I think Captain Phillips is a movie he should have been nominated for. He was unbelievable in that. Uh, in terms of just his acting talent and the the ending sequence of that where he's rescued and he's in the Navy boat hospital unit and he just breaks down and he it's it's unbelievable acting. Like here's this guy who's been in this in the midst of this heat and then is just he plays a role of being in shock brilliantly. So well, that's that's my Captain Phillips take on that. Yeah, well I'll have to watch that movie sometime in like twenty years and see if it's still good. Right, uh, but you you know how he got the role in Splash, don't you? Um, uh, uh, um, Bill Murray turned it down. No, well, bef- even before that, he, uh, you're talking about all the TV shows that he did little cameos in. He actually was in an episode of Happy Days. Yes, where he played like a, 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 a fr- somebody that Fonzie went to school with, like a disgruntled former classmate of Fonzie. Uh-huh. And and I don't know if this was while Ron Howard was still on the show or towards the end, but whatnot, Ron Howard was making his transition mm-hmm. from, you know, Opie to Richie Cunningham to like superstar director. And this was one of, uh, I think this was um, Ron Howard's third movie because he did Night Shift. Yep. Uh, he did, I think it's uh, it's actually his second big one. Yeah, second big, big one. one. He did Night Shift called Grand Theft Auto like right. real early on. By the way, did you like Night Shift with Henry Winkler? Um, love brokers. Come on, it was not that bad. I, I, I it was to, not I, that I, I, bad. I, 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 that might be one that we add to the list to show. It might be watching it because I would. That be, one was pretty good. Because I, I liked it then, but I don't know. I mean, we'll, we might have to add that to the list. But um, yeah. So he was in a episode of Happy Days, and Ron Howard was like, "I want this is the guy I want." Yeah. And you, you are right. Other people did try for the the role. We can talk about that here in a little while. But you know, Tom Hanks was you know. You, did you watch Bosom Buddies? Oh, yeah, I sure did. Yeah. I sure did. And by the way, sitcoms that we cannot make in 2019, Bosom Buddies. No way. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But you were talking about his uh, Hank's comedic, comedic acting skills. That's how he was in Bosom Buddies, and that's why he transitioned in to this role. Mm-hmm. Right. I agree. Yeah. And so the way the way this movie starts pretty is pretty interesting and pretty funny because basically it, it's like it says 20 years ago today, so which this came out right. in 84, so that would have been the 60s. 60s right. Um, and the, the it's a scene that starts and you see this kind of boy on a uh, ferry boat up, up near Cape Cod. And this boy's um, doing the old trick where you would throw change on the ground so you could look up a girl's skirt. Did you ever try that? I did not realize that was, quote, the old trick. I've never done that. Did you do that? I never did that. No. no I, 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 I always saw – I didn't even know that was a trick. I didn't either. The, the trick that I knew people would do, and, and I never did it, was like they would put, like, mirrors on their shoes or something. So anyway, you see this boy is, like, throwing around, doing all this kind of stuff. And he was the upskirt pioneer. He was the upskirt pioneer <laughs> back in back in when movies were still black and white. Right. Um, but – uh and they're on the boat, and then, like, all of a sudden you realize, oh, there's another little kid, and we find out that, you know, the the one kind of, oh, what do we call him, obnoxious or perverted, yeah, whatever. Yeah, the, the, the pervy, obnoxious kid. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's the older brother, and then there's a younger brother. And the younger brother, just out of the blue, is just looking over the ferry boat into the water near Cape Cod and dives in. And so, the, and this is like five minutes in the movie. And the first thing I'm thinking is, all right, you got one kid that's dropping coins to look up girls' skirts. You got another kid that jumps into the ocean because he thinks he sees something. 
what's wrong with these parents? <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. How, how are these parents raising their kids? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, but, but it, it, it's, and it, so he jumps into the water and swimming around the younger brother his name is alan i think yeah alan alan is the uh alan is um the older brother alan well alan is the younger one yeah alan alan's is younger Freddy alan's tom hanks older, yeah, yeah freddie and, and alan alan yeah, is tom yeah. hanks yeah and so and so he swims around and all of a sudden just coincidentally swims by this little girl mermaid that's a you know just happens to be his age yeah, there's this young girl just out in the middle of the ocean. We see her. Where's her you know, parents? Where her, where's her where, where, parents? Yes, yes. Where's my mom and my dad at this <laughs> exactly. point? Exactly. My grandma's, my uncle. There's going right. to be somebody around. But they like make eye contact, and you already just know how silly that is. Yeah. But then um, he gets, what's he get saved or something? I don't know. But Well, she she basically, he can't swim, and she helps oh, that's him. Right. Yeah, he yeah. She, she basically saves him uh, so that he. They can pull him from the the ocean, and and he doesn't drown, and she swims away, and he, you know, forever has this vision of this girl in the ocean who saved him. Yeah, and so that's kind of the end of the kind of opening scene. Right. So then we skip to New York, and I completely forgot all about this stuff. So apparently Alan, Tom Hanks' character, owns a a produce distribution center. Correct. Which is kind of a a nice little backdrop, I thought. Yeah, that's a nice little scene. We were talking with Amadeus last time about like the different scenes he would do for operas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Should there be a, an opera in a produce, a produce a stand? Center? Yes, <laughs> yes. Somebody just I can't. There's a cucumber reference. I'm not making it. Um, yeah. By the way, while they're there, uh, the best cameo in this movie is at the produce distribution warehouse. Do you know who it was? No, I don't remember. Shecky Green. He was Mister Byright. No, I don't even know who Shecky Green is. Oh, he's the uh, old comedian that would, you know, he's iconic. Well, I mean, that's the thing. There was a lot of people in this movie that I recognized, but I couldn't, like, place them. And, you know, later on, and uh, there's a scene where Tom Hanks runs to a cab, and, like, the cab driver, you totally recognize him because he's been a cab driver in every movie from the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, and then we get introduced to Freddy Mm -hmm. as an adult. Who is exactly like Freddy as a juvenile. Played by John Candy. Uh, yeah, another great, another great John one. John Candy is our third one to make a second appearance. Yeah, John Candy. We talked about John Candy um, last season in Brewster's Millions, and he is a great comedic supporting actor in this one. He is he's essentially the same character, though. Essentially, <laughs> but I, I almost think he's. You know, you're right. It's the same thing because he's goofy, over the top, a little bit crazy, but has a lot of heart and a lot of love for his his friend in this one, or his brother yeah. in this one. And, and, and it's really funny because when we're introduced to Freddie, he shows up at the produce market with like stacks and stacks of penthouse magazines. Right, right. And he's yelling at everybody, I, they put my story in forum, they put <laughs> yeah. my story in the forum. He's <laughs> yeah. like handing them out everywhere. Which, I mean, there were some really clever comedic lines in this movie that I'll talk about um, during the cast. Uh if they would have been able to maintain it throughout, yeah, you could have like a movie like Airplane where it was nonstop, right? But they kept kind of oh, they give you like a little bit of comedy, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But there, there are some good, some good little scenes. There's some dialogue. great scenes in yeah. this movie and some great dialogue and and uh, you know, well, like like to the to your point about the silliness in the airplane situation, the um, secretary, uh, the receptionist at the produce warehouse, like she's insane. And hilarious. Like, she shows up for work one day with her bra on the outside of her dress. Yeah. And, like, it's just... It's, and they just let her pass. Let her whatever, go. Right, 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 right. I laughed out loud when I'm like, I didn't see that coming. I forgot about that. That's yeah. really funny. There, there, there was some really good comedy baked into this movie. Uh, and, and then, so this opening scene wraps up, and this kind of sets the stage for the rest of the movie, is Alan, uh, his girlfriend dumps him. We never even see her. Right. But he gets dumped by his girlfriend because he does not love her enough or something like that. And so that kind of... You know, now we have this like you know busy business guy with this overbearing older brother who just got dumped from his girlfriend because he doesn't know what real love is. Right. And I think that's kind of you know sets the foundation for the rest of the mm-hmm. the, the film. But you know, overall, you know, it, it, the the start was actually pretty compelling and and, mm-hmm. and pretty funny. But um, you know, once again, it was very. 80s music, uh-huh. you know, just, and I, and, and I know we can't sit here and expect movies that were made in the 80s to like hold up as far as the cinematography, unless it's like a 
like some of the other movies that we've talked about by the big directors, but just your average right. run-of-the-mill movie. Uh, and, you know, the, you know, of course, the cars look Well, that's, you know, and, that's an amazing thing. I've watched this. Every time I watch something from New York set in the 80s, I cannot believe that the cabs are those old cars that they were using for cabs back in, oh, yeah. still in the 80s. Like, that's unbelievable. The cars are huge. Yes, yes. Times Square is a whole. Right, but Times Square is still, like, this is, Ed Koch is cleaning it up, man. He's doing his best, but it's not there yet. No, no, not at all. Uh, and so as the movie continues, um, they're at an, uh, an employee's wedding uh, that, that works for the uh, produce place. And Tom Hanks is real sad because of the girlfriend thing. And he gets sloshed. Yep. He gets hammered. And basically at the end of the night, he's completely hammered. And he's like, I just, you know, he's Freddie's like trying to get him to like, you know, mingle and do things. And he's like, I got to get out of here. I want to go to the one place that I can relax. I want to go to Cape Cod. And that's when he kind of runs out. And this was kind of like an overdone scene. And, and here, here's one of my big beefs with this movie is it is 111 minutes long. Right. Which is what, hour 40 minutes? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, you, could, you could have played this out in about 110, hour and 10 minutes. Yeah. And, and, and just kind of like taking out all the garbage and you'd have a really good tight movie. Now that'd mm-hmm. probably be a little too short, but you could have at least gotten it done in like an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this was one of those scenes that drag on. And, but he, he goes, and that's where he finds a cab driver, and he gets taken to Cape Cod. He takes a, what, $300 cab ride to right, Cape Cod? Right, right. And, you know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this character. I, I like this actor 95% of the time, but he annoyed the crap out of me in this movie. It's, it, yeah. Um, you want to so, introduce the scene? Uh, well, it's uh, Dr. Kornblum. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, there were there were two great names in this movie. There was Cornbloom, and then there was Buckwalter. Those were yeah. two great names, yeah. and I love them both. Um, but Cornbloom is Eugene Levy, and uh, he is this marine biologist or pseudo marine biologist out there searching for mermaids or something along those lines. Yeah, I don't even know. They never really even express what is he searching for. I mean, I, he could be searching for a starfish. Who knows? We don't know. But he's kind of a dick to Tom Hanks when he runs up on him. And uh, he says, you know, go down here. This other guy's got a boat. He'll take you out. And, and, he, and he thinks Tom Hanks, like, spying on right. him. Like, he's, like, on the super secret mission. And he has the two dumbest assistants yes. ever. Like, it's, way it's, overdone. Yeah, I mean, it's like Daryl and my other brother, Daryl, that are along right. with him. It is, totally. Right? Yeah. Uh, and it's just... Although, when they get on the boat and they're going out, he did have a vintage KFC bucket on the on the boat. Which oh, I, I did. That. I, yeah, I was really happy to see that. I might have to watch this movie again just for that. But it, it, it's just, you know, I, I, I struggle with Eugene Levy's character throughout the whole movie. And we'll talk more about that. So so with Eugene Levy, like, do you have a favorite Eugene Levy movie? Well, throw some out there. Well, so that's the thing. He's very famous. But the number of movies that he's been in where he's been any kind of a lead or supporting actor, there's not that many. And most of them are with that SCTV troupe, like with uh, Catherine O'Hara. Like yeah. it's movies like um, was he like in uh, Best in Show, Strange Brew, and Best in Show, Mighty Wind, Waiting for oh, Guffman. Yeah. American Pie is my favorite. Yeah, movie. American Pie. American Pie is my favorite. Well, see, I always got him confused with Harold Ramis. Ramis, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I always dark got curly hair. I got yeah, that. tall guy, kind of goofy, dark curly hair. Um, but yeah, he has, he was in a lot of movies and a lot of those are the Spinal Tap guys like Christopher yeah, Guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. that's exactly right. And oh. he's, he's had an, a great career. He's never been nominated for an Oscar, but he's been nominated for like 20 Emmys or something like that. Just a, a, really? a gaggle of Emmys for all of these, um, you know, some of his work, like he is, you know, uh, like currently Shit's Creek is the movie, is the show that he does. And, uh, he, he's. He's had a great career. It has mostly been on the small screen and in a sort of a fringe, sort of cultish niche uh, for movies. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think he's one, of, he's one of those actors that you, you everybody knows who he is. Like you said, he's like really famous for what he's been in. So he and, and I'm guessing he's probably not demanding a big check. Right. You know, and so you can get him into your like comedy. You can get him into your movie. I mean, think, think when American Pie was made, he was probably the, the most known name that was in it. Probably so. Yeah. You know, so it's like you can kind of latch them onto those types of movies and get a little attention for your movie. And, you know, and, 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 and I mean, that's, I'd take that career. No doubt. I, I'm, I'm, no I'm, doubt. I, I don't think he's, you know, starving or living in a shack anywhere. No, he's done great acting work and done it on his terms. I mean, you can't do anything but tip your hat to that. Yeah, but in this movie, and it's not his fault. He took the role. 
I mean, he acts it fine. It's just whoever wrote this movie. And this is, and, 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 and I know I sound really uh, nitpicky on this movie, but here's why. Here's why. This movie was actually nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. It sure was. And that's why this movie makes me mad because, wow, this was one of the, and back then they probably only had five nominations, I'm guessing. So, well, we still do have five nominations for Best Screenplay. Okay. So let me give you the five nominees for Best Screenplay. But this is Best Original. Now, the back then, did they have adapt- adaptation? They did, but yes, because okay. Amadeus won for Adapted. Oh, that's right. That's because, right. You know, so right. Um, this is Original Screenplay. So Places in the Heart, which won. Yeah. Was that Sally Field? I, I think so. Uh, Broadway, Danny Rose. Never heard of it. Beverly Hills Cop and El Norte. And I would argue that I'm the only person that anybody knows that actually saw El Norte. Oh, I, I had El Norte for lunch the other day. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> it was delicious. I had to watch it's El Norte. a little spicy, but... I had to watch El Norte in a social studies class in seventh grade. It was like this advanced social studies class, and our teacher was talking about this migrant business, and so I had to watch it. Well, but, so Beverly Hills Cop, Cop is like is, a freaking classic. It is. Well, maybe we need to watch it again, it, but it I'm is. thinking it has to hold up. It is, but there are a ton of those 80s tropes in there, I think. Yeah. I mean, there's a bunch. Like, it's got effing Judge Reinhold in it. You know it's going to be kind of a joke. That's true. That's true. But you still got yeah, well, yeah, it. Mm, wow. But still, I just, the, the fact that this was one of the best original screenplays, and uh, it's just it's just hard. There's parts of it that just are really hard. Yeah. Well, I think it sort of speaks to where movies were at that point. Yeah. And, you know, we went through a whole list in our Amadeus podcast of what was out there, but it's it's movies like Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, which Ghostbusters was a better original screenplay. Right, yeah, um, definitely. Romancing the Stone. Um, there's a bunch of stuff out there that is just general entertainment. It's not high art. And I think we demand high art at this point for these screenplay Oscars. But back then, I, they, they you know, two of the five were very much pure entertainment. Like, I was just entertained by this movie – I'm gonna I'm gonna recommend this for an award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so and, and so here's how this movie continues. It, it, it gets a little sillier, but we we kind of get to like the, the the main plot. You know, Tom Hanks he's out in the boat. You know, because Eugene uh, Levy's character won't uh, give him a ride. And weird stuff happens. He's, he's got a captain named Fat Jack, who the boat stops and Fat Jack jumps off and swims ashore. It's like, <laughs> what does Right. Well, the boat, like, the boat does. And he's like, I'll go get the other boat. Yeah. I'm Fat Jack. I'm going to go swim a mile and a half to get the other boat. It made no sense. And then so Tom Hanks like falls out of the boat. The boat hits him in the head. He sinks. And you think, and this is stupid too, because you think he's going to have this like teaser where he meets the mermaid again, mm-hmm. but he doesn't. All he does when he sinks is drop the wallet. Right. And he just got like a concussion. But somehow he miraculously like gets brought back on the shore. Well, he so, wakes up on the shore. Does does that really happen to people where you get knocked unconscious in fifteen foot foot of ocean water, and somehow that that wave or that current brings you back to shore and you wake up? I that, don't I don't believe that happens. And but, it happens in the movies all the time. Yeah, let's let, let's 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 spin this though. Like let's say it's something that we don't see where maybe the mermaid helps him out a little bit. Maybe she saw him. Maybe she helped him to the shore. We don't see it. Maybe that's. I mean, I, I kind of think that's maybe implied that that's how he gets there. Is that no? Well, I, I, I see this, this to me, and it is this is where this like very predictive writing sequence takes place. He gets his head knocked. You know, gets his concussion, drops his wallet, wakes up on the shore, and she just happens to be like in the bushes, naked in the shore. And she runs up and like gives him like a kiss, like like mm-hmm. you know, like he just got back from like you know three tours in Nam. You know, it's right. like we're, we're, why it was like the most affectionate kiss. And then she runs back into the water, and and she finds his wallet, right? Which sets up for what's going to happen next. Correct. And it just it just seemed like a kind of a really kind of long scene to really all you're trying to accomplish is the fact that the mermaid gets the wallet because then she can like survive in New York because she has a credit card. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. And just it just just was a little little too much of a stretch for me. But I will say this is that, you know, Daryl Hannah, I mean, she looked pretty good. Daryl Hannah is um beautiful in this movie and uh so she's an interesting actress. What's your take on her? Maybe she's not interesting. Maybe interesting is the wrong word. Well, no, I actually think that she's not interesting, which actually makes her very interesting. I think that's right. I think that's totally right. You don't see her on tabloids. You don't see her out in the news. You don't see her making a you know an idiot out of herself in public. She never has. But she's actually had a very stellar career. You actually don't really see her making movies either, though. 
but she's still. I mean, she, I'm not gonna go. I'm I'm gonna go the opposite. I don't well, think she's I mean, had a she, stellar career. She's had good movies. She like, said, "Well, right, stellar might be a stretch, but she's had a good career." Right. She's 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 sustained herself kind of right under the radar and and gotten roles. She's still making movies now and doing TV now. Best Daryl Hannah role. Oh, Kill Bill. Correct. Yeah, without that, hundred percent correct. Yeah. So her Though best. I, I would argue Clash of the. Uh, or Clan of the Cave Bear was kind of good. Okay. I did not see Clan of the Cave Bear. I've not, see, not seen it. Oh, I yeah. know that's one of hers. Like, her biggest hits are Splash, Roxanne, Wall Street, uh, Steel Magnolias, and Kill Bill, probably. Well, she's right? in Blade Runner, too. Wasn't yeah, she? she was in Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so that, I mean, that's a pretty good list. It's a good career, but she's never been nominated for no, an she's Oscar. Never, never she's nominated for anything. And in fact, there, there are. Um, I, I saw something, I don't know if it was a Razzies or something, but it, like she, she won Worst Supporting Actress for Wall Street. Yeah. Which I didn't think she was that bad in, but well, and, and, whatever. Yeah, and she's, you know, if you look at the other people that she's up against, and if you look at the other, you know, I, I think it would be very difficult to be a pretty woman that's an actress in Hollywood that is successful when you're young and to be able to sustain that and still be getting good roles as you go older. Everybody knows that kind of cliche story. Well, and and she's been able to kind of survive that a little. Well, bit. and she is also very much a political activist. She was with Jackson Brown for a long time mm-hmm. and they did their thing um, you know, and and one of the stories from the filming of this movie is the scene where she and Tom Hanks are eating dinner and they're eating lobster. Um, she's a vegetarian, so they stuffed this lobster shell with tofu. When oh, she's oh I thought it was baked potato. Uh, tofu was right. Baked potato, oh, tofu, so, yeah. some some non meat yeah. situation, but but uh, Howard said uh, you know she broke down in tears after every sequence because she was sad for the lobsters who died for that. So yeah. you know, like she seems like she's somebody who's probably cooler on screen than she would be dying out with. But one man's opinion. I, I but I also see her as one of those people that five to ten years from now she'll get a very unique role and a very unique kind of you know kitschy movie. And could maybe get nominated for something and get a pity win. It's entirely possible. Like, I thought that was going to be it with Kill Bill, honestly. I thought that she was going to get a supporting actress nod for Kill Bill um, because she's so good in that, and it was late in her career, and it's, you know, she's coming back from off the radar. But you're exactly right. Like, she could, in the next five years, get something that's um, gets a career achievement Oscar. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, But, yeah, so, so... She swims back out, gets the ocean, and of course we cut back to back in New York, and and we're at Liberty Island, you know, Statue right. of Liberty, and here comes Daryl Hannah, jumps out of the water, completely naked, buck naked. Well, buck naked, walking around. Of course, she gets arrested. They you know take her to a downtown precinct, and next thing you know, since she has Tom Hanks' wallet, she has Alan's wallet. They're right. calling Alan at the produce place. And, you know, he remembered seeing her when he woke mm-hmm. up on Cape Cod. And so he's like, I'm, and, 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 and this little side note, uh, John Candy, Freddie, his brother, had, like, brought in this big contract for yes, a guy. Yes, Like some, I don't know, big restaurant well, person. Right, right. And like, had lied and told him that, like, his little brother, like, had some Vietnam injury. Just, once again, just kind of Well, that John was the Shecky Green character. Oh, okay. That was gotcha. the Shecky Green oh, character. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and so, anyway, Tom Hanks bails completely, goes down to the police station, picks her up. And this is where it's just, like, weird because... He picks her up the police station. She really can't talk yet. Right. She still talks Mermaidian. Right. Is that language? I, it's it's some kind of like 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 clicks and giggles. I don't even know what it is. I, I was going to take it in third grade, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but anywho, um, they're walking down the street like arm in arm already. It was right. just like really weird how like how quickly Daryl Hannah's character was like super affectionate to him and his. I think it's more weird that he was super affectionate towards her. Yeah, no, it goes both ways. It was just kind of creepy. But but I also think that's just kind of how the romantic comedy is sold. Is like there's this, it plays upon this idea that these two had this moment, and then they're separated, star-crossed lovers, and then all of a sudden they're back together, and nothing's changed. Like I'm, I totally dig you. Um, but this is actually, I think, where the movie has a ton of heart, and it's actually pretty fun to watch as they're getting to know one another, and they're figuring uh, each other out. She's kind of learning to speak. 
they're having sex like eight times a day. Yeah. And, and I love the Bloomingdale scene. Yeah, the Bloomingdale scene. When he awesome. goes to work and she, she dresses up in one of his suits and yes. takes his credit card and goes to Bloomingdale's. Right. And she's like doing like aerobics like to, to Richard Simmons. Yes. Like, yes. And they're like, oh, the workers are like, uh, it's about to close. And, and then well, he, he, he shows up and like, and that's when he asks her what her name is. Right. Well, so quickly back to that. You know the sequence where she's um, she's watching the TV and they're talking about Crazy Eddie's electronics? Yeah. Crazy Eddie's was a real thing. Did you know that? Oh, I did not know that. That was a real thing. It was a real franchise. I remembered when I saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a real company. Like they ended up with like – I researched that. They had like 40-some outlets in several states up there. Then they had a fraud problem, but they're not around anymore. But I, it's still, you know, there was a commercial where Emmanuel Lewis was was on like a Colgate commercial or something while they were showing it. There's a lot of really cool 80s stuff in that sequence where she's watching the TV, whether it's Richard Simmons or any right. of those other things. But like you said, then we get to her name. And this is one of my favorite. Can you do it? I'm not even going to try. No. You're not even trying? No. Gonna do it? All right. Uh, Google... What would you even say? Like Splash Mermaid's name, yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. It's all right. What were you gonna say? Because it broke TVs. Well, so yeah, whatever her mer- her mermaid name was, like it, it's it's real high pitch. So we got to talk about like, what am I gonna call you that I can say? Yeah. And so, hey guys, anybody that you meet born after 1984 who is a lady who is named Madison, it is a hundred percent because of this movie. I'm just saying that's truth. This movie spawned all these girls named Madison that you see. Yeah, and what about the conspiracy that it was created by Madison Avenue? I, I don't know that. Well, I just made it up right now. Well, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> but it sounds good. <laughs> I'm gonna tell, so let me tell you a bet. Let me tell you something that's not a conspiracy theory that's a fact that's actually similar to that. So this movie was the first film that Disney released under the Touchstone brand, yeah, yeah. which was which was the brand that they were going to put out more adult fare. They weren't going to do, you know, Cinderella exclusively. This is where we can do stuff that everybody can watch. So shortly after this film was made or in the process of it, Disney was building their log flume ride at uh, Walt Disney World. And it's all, if you've ever been there, the log flume ride is all Song of the South. Like it's Br'er Rabbit and it, that's the oh, way the whole thing is. Yeah. But they named it Splash Mountain. And the reason they named it Splash Mountain was a tie into this film. Ah, interesting. Yep. yep. Interesting. I thought about well, it. Was like there. a sequel coming? Because you figured by now they'd replace it and like call it like Star Wars Mountain. Right, <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Lava Mountain or something. But it, 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 and, and here's also, too, where we get this next kind of big foundational plot set up. Um, and some of these were drop laid in pretty well. That, that's why I'm just I'm so like back and forth on this movie. There's so many things this movie does movie does well, but there's so many things that just annoy me about this movie. But so they're, 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 the way they build their plot. Uh, so here's the kind of the next step up, up, up uh, the ladder or next rung up the ladder. And so they name her Madison, but then she, as they're starting to get to know each other, she starts talking to Tom Hanks about how. Something about the moon, and she's got to go back before she the can moon only stay seven she days. Can only stay a few days, and so Tom Hanks is like thinking she's like a foreigner, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, oh, she's you know, and, and so that kind of just sets the stage. He has no idea she's a mermaid, right? Um, and 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 it just kind of develops. Okay, he wants to spend as much time with her as possible before she has to go, and then as the movie progresses, he tries to tell her and convince her of different ways that you know she could potentially stay in the country, but um. But then it's weird because she's actually in his apartment taking a bath, and we see her fins. Mm-hmm. And now, did you know how much do you think her fins weighed? Her fins weighed thirty-five pounds. Yeah, and it would take like hours to get her. Three in those hours fins. to get her in those fins. Yeah. So she's in the bath, and 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 you know, fins are out, and then it's like something weird. Like she knocks over like a bar of soap. It's not. It's not even anything like. Well, she goes in in the middle of the night while while, while Alan is sleeping, and she gets yeah. in, and so and then he hears something, or maybe he's. Maybe he's got to pee or something. He's like, are you okay? And he's slamming on the door. Well, he's just like way overreacting. Yeah. It wasn't like, he makes it sound like somebody's getting murdered in there. Like, let me in. You're hurt. What's going on? And he he busts into the door. And by then she's got herself dried off enough right. and he doesn't see it. Right, right. Yeah, so there's still the mystery. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how things went down in the, in the 1980s, but, uh, you know, as a single dude in the 90s or uh, 2000s, sometimes a lady goes in the bathroom. She's in there a minute. It's all right. You let it, you let it go. Roll over. Get the extra sleep, dude. 
I mean, do you really want... If she's in the bathroom that long, do you really want to break Zero. Her? Zero. <laughs> I mean, if anybody's in the bathroom that long, do you really want to break... Unless they're, unless they're screaming for help. Unless they're saying, please come help me. I'm not going to break down the door to get into a bathroom when somebody's been in there for 30 minutes. Actually... I can't. There's a story that I cannot tell on this podcast about that. But someday in the uh, someday in the memoir, uh, you know what we should do? We should start a podcast where you have private access to stories. That's like exactly that. right. That's it exactly like a subscription right. service. Right, right. That's going to be our Patreon situation. Yeah, exactly. We've got to monetize this thing somehow. Uh, but anyway, then we keep bouncing back and forth to more Eugene Levy stuff. I'm not even going to talk about it because it was stupid. Um, yeah. So one of the things that I read was like like. How in the world did he find them in a city of millions? How did he find them? And did you know that this movie was then later novelized? No, I did not know Somebody that. wrote a novel based on this movie. And in the novelized version, Levy starts hanging out at, he, after they hear about the naked lady at uh, 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 Statue of Statue Liberty. Of Liberty yeah. He starts hanging out at police precincts and like basically bribing cops to t- give him information about this woman and the guy that she left with. So that's how he tracks them down, based upon the novelization of that's, the that's pretty of, of the movie. Yeah, and, and it's like I mean the the characters, you know, I, I get it. You want to see like a mermaid, but the way he goes about it is, it's like it's he wants to expose her to the public. And if you were really a true research person, you would right. wanna, like learn and study and maybe you know, find out who it is. Right. It's, it's like he's like a National Enquirer scientist. Yeah, he's not a real scientist. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's like he's like in the fifties going after communists. It's right. like, I just want to expose you. You whether I'm going to catch not. Bigfoot and cut his head off. Right. Yeah. It's very yeah, way over the top. Way over the top. But Alan and uh, Madison, they're kind of falling in love. They're, they're falling like in love. buying gifts for each other. She somehow to... buys him a fountain and puts it in his bedroom. Gigantic fountain. The, that's, that's one where I'm like, how in the, like, A, where's the cash coming from? I know he's got a credit card, but come on. And B, how'd this thing get here? Because they saw this fountain, he liked it, and she's like. It wouldn't even have fit through the door. No. It would have taken six months of construction. They would have had to knock fountain. out walls and right. all that yeah. stuff. Exactly. Get, get water, we had to put plumbing in. That's correct. I mean, correct. Yeah, we got to have electric you, you, that's dedicated. Yeah, you're going to need some ventilation system because it's going to steam up and like you're going to get mold. Yeah. yeah it's, they didn't really think about any of those type of things at all. Uh, but you know, they're falling in love and, you know, and, and she keeps bringing up all oh, she's going to have to go and all those types of things. You know, I, I mean, it just gets like stupider and stupider, I think, as the movie goes. I mean, I, I mean, like, like we've talked about, there's cute scenes, there's funny scenes. I, I did get some laughs out of it, but it just, by, by now I'm just kind of like, when's this, I, I would like pause it and I'd be like, oh crap, there's still like 45 minutes left. It does get a little bit silly. Like, I do think that, the, like, as much as I thought the, the fountain scene was goofy and silly and totally impossible, it is still in this romantic comedy mold where it's sweet, and there's a lot of sweetness between the two characters, and at the same time, Eugene Levy keeps closing in, right? Like, they're at a political banquet to watch the president speak. Oh, yeah, but well, before we get there, even, you, you talked about the lobster scene earlier. Yeah, yeah. So let's... So let's talk about that for a second. So they're at the this big fancy dinner, and you mentioned earlier about like her eating the lobster. Um, but later in the night, he asks her to marry her. Right. Marry him, sorry. Right. Um, and she says no. Right. And then it is exactly like every dude who has a lady turn him down. Like he's, no, I'm cool. No, we're good. No, no, no big deal. Right. I'll be all right. I'm not mad. I didn't think you were going to say yes. Yeah. But, he, but he's a dick. He is. And they keep hanging out, and he just keeps getting more and more frustrated at her, like, over little things. And, of course, then they get into the obligatory, like, you know, post-turn-down marriage proposal fight. Right. Where they storm off from each other. And then we get a wonderful scene that we've never seen before, which is guy walking around New York late at night while it's raining looking for the woman he loves. Never, I've never seen that before. It was groundbreaking. <laughs> Just total groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. Never seen that before. <laughs> um, but they, they, he eventually finds her in the morning next to the Brooklyn Bridge, and she's standing by the water about to jump in. And, and she looks at him, and they make their little romantic eye contact they've been making the whole movie, and little chime music plays in the background. And, uh, and she just looks at him and goes, yes. And so, all right, they're happy again. And then we get some more Eugene Levy, blah, 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 boring, boring, Chasing boring. him down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chasing him down. And then we get to this presidential banquet you were talking about. Right, yeah. So they go to a presidential banquet. He's her guest. And I, I don't remember. Do you remember why they're – how is he involved in even going to see the president? I think Freddie arranged it somehow. Somehow, right. But I don't know how. 
Right. Like, like this is like probably a thousand dollar a plate banquet. And these two dudes just run a produce company in New York. But yeah, once again, just a little bit of a stretch. Right. And, and why is it even necessary? Yeah. Right. Right. Except it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a spot where Levy can confirm where they're going to be. Right. Like yeah. he can, can confirm like what they're going to be here. And, and he tries to get in and, and he's like, all and he, this is going to be his second attempt because he was foiled once before. And well, he's got, well, like, and he keeps, and this is, he keeps like trying to spray and he's, he keeps hitting the same, the same, the same couple. couple. Yes. He's wrong yes. About. This is a great eighties trope too. Like the yeah, same people just, keep turning it's, up. Yeah. It's just like the, 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 the silliest gag. It's like the first time, I think he does it maybe two to three times and he gets beat up a few times. Yeah. yeah he's got a broken arm. He's yeah. like, he's got it like all up in like this cocked up cast like, situation. It's like, it's an unnecessary gag for this movie. Cause it's like one, it's like, once again, are you what? What are you trying to be? Movie? Are you trying to be a, a comedy? Are you trying to be a romantic movie? Are you trying to be like sl- silly slapstick? It's just just too much throwing too much stuff in the blender, too many paints in the bucket, and everything's coming out brown. Right. Yeah. Right. But uh, so yeah, so they leave the presidential banquet. Yes. He's, he's finally got her. Finally. And he sprays her down, and guess what happens? She's her? laying on the ground as a mermaid, and then and then the paparazzi's taking photos, and, and Alan shocked. He had, yes, he, thought, he had no he, idea. He thought she was just an immigrant. Right. Right. He thought yeah. she was just this beautiful Swedish girl that speaks in some language that I can't understand. Right. But now he sees oh. He's a, she's a mermaid, and he's even joking. With, well, not joking, but he's like, uh, Freddie, his brother, is talking to him later, and he's like, I fell in love with a fish. And there are some things. So then they take her off to a lab. Right. But before we get into the lab scene, let's just kind of, you know, I know I've picked on this movie a lot, and, and but if you think about, you know, this is one of Ron Howard's, as we mentioned earlier, first films. First movies. One of his, his second movie. Does he get better advocate. after this? Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that. Let's read the Ron Howard movies, and you guys tell me. Night Shift, Splash, Cocoon, Willow, Parenthood, Backdraft, Far and Away, Apollo 13, Ransom, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Beautiful Mind, Cinderella Man, Da Vinci Code, Frost Nixon, In the Heart of the Sea, Solo. Like, he is... You've talked about this before. Would you rather have one iconic movie or have this stellar career of average stuff? And he's had a stellar career of above-average stuff. Like, he is one of the best directors in Hollywood, and I love Ron Howard. And there was a time where I, I had – it took me a while to get to that point because I would watch a Ron Howard movie and something would be missing from it. Like, this is really good, but there's something missing. But I think he's an amazing director. He's been um, nominated for four Oscars, and he's won two. He won for Best Picture and Best Director for Beautiful Mind, and he also was nominated for Best Picture and Best Director for Frost Nixon, which is a great movie. And somehow he had no nominations for Apollo 13, which is a brilliant movie. Incredible movie. I mean, yes. I, you know, Backdraft was good. Cinderella Man was good. I mean, Beautiful Mind's probably my favorite movie that he did. But, um, you know, when he had his little Russell Crowe era, I thought yes. that was really good. I didn't know until I did the research on this that he did solo. I might have actually gone yes. and watched it. Right. Well, well he, he was a late addition because um, I can't remember who was slated to, to direct it, but there were massive creative differences between Disney and the directors, and they fired the director and brought in Ron Howard to do it. And I loved Solo. It's the most maligned Star Wars movie, and it probably killed their, you know, sort of m- middle franchises. Yeah. But I thought it was great. Well, and, you, and, and I don't know if you know this or not, but Ron Howard was really dedicated to doing Splash. He actually was given the opportunity to direct Footloose and Mr. Mom. And yes, he turned, he turned both them both down because he wanted to do this movie. That's exactly Splash. right. And you had mentioned earlier some of the other people that have been considered for Splash. You know, John Travolta, Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, Dudley Moore, all of them. You know, Michael Keaton, down. Burt Reynolds, Robin Williams. I mean, it's a ton. And then for the Madison character, it's even deeper. Jodie Foster, Rosanna Arquette, Brooke Shields, Melanie Griffith, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Diane Lane, Sharon Stone, Kathleen Turner, and Michelle Pfeiffer all turned it down. They also considered Ali Sheedy and Lisa Welchel. Hey, uh, uh, Facts of Life, what's going on? But ultimately went with Daryl Hannah and... Uh, I think got the got it right. Well, it's funny that you mentioned Burt Reynolds because th- there is this like scene, and you have to like be paying attention to notice it. But it's right after the presidential gala, and you know, uh, Tom Hanks is goes back to his you know condo apartment, whatever in New York City, and reporters are asking him all these questions. And the the one reporter, she's like, "I'm from People Magazine. Is she also seeing Burt Reynolds?" Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's right. Because it is 1984, and as we have established in this podcast, 1984 Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds? Killing it. Killing it. Killing it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 
where does Ron Howard stand up as far as like career wise? I mean, the guy's been in in it since he was what four, right? And I he's mean, never like you know fell through the pressure. He's been successful. I mean, who else? Can, you've, who, you've never heard of him in a scandal. No, you've probably never watched anything that was blatantly bad. Like we're picking on this movie a little bit, but it's not blatantly right. bad. It's not bad, right? And I mean, he's. Cool enough that he lets his weird-looking brother be in every single movie he that he like directs. He has like four family members in this movie. Yes, and so it's I, I again I'm a huge Ron Howard fan, and uh, you know he's not going to go down as Spielberg or Scorsese, but he's in that next tier, I think. Oh, I, absolutely, and I think I think he's one of those people too that you look at more. You know, we talk baseball a lot. Yeah. And you talk like who's the best, you know, third baseman, who's the best shortstop. Right. You know, but then you take somebody like a Pete Rose mm-hmm. who, you know, the, has all the hits, played a lot of different positions, so you can't say he was the best at any position. He just he just played the game well. Right. Across the board. Doesn't matter. And kind of same thing with Ron Howard, whether he was acting, directing, whatever part he's been involved in throughout his whole life, it's been above average to very good. Yes. And sometimes excellent. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I totally and, agree. And the longevity has been there. Yes. Now, do you think he ever bet on his movies? If he was smart, he did. He because should've. they made a lot of money. Yeah, he should have. Well, I think that's what they do anyway, because I'm assuming he's producing his own stuff. Yeah. Right well, this so. movie was filmed for $8 million, and I think it made like $68 million, something like yeah, that. Yeah, like that. So, yeah, close to 70 Yeah, so yeah. like 8X, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, that's that's a good, especially in 84. Yeah. You know, and then you're, you're getting Tom Hanks, probably his cheapest part in his career. Well, that's how it was $8 million. Like, you got Daryl Hannah and Tom Hanks. And, and John Candy. And John Candy. And you still only spent eight million. You're right, right. And you had all those. You movies. can't even call Tom Hanks for eight million dollars. <laughs> not like, these days. Not these days. By the way, have you ever um, looked at Tom Hanks' Instagram? I have not. It's kind of weird. Like we were looking at that recently. Some I, it was over the Fourth of July holiday. We somehow we got looking at that, and he's kind of goofy. Like he might take a photo of one mitten laying on the ground and, and make some weird comment. Or then there's one shoe sitting somewhere and then he's doing something goofy. But at the end of everything he writes on his Instagram picture, he writes Hanks H A N X. Like we, like what are you doing? Like one, like a family member said, this actually makes me like him less. He's a pretty uh, famous guy. I'm assuming he probably doesn't have a lot of normal relationships. That's true. Yeah, so so let's start talking about how this movie concludes. Wraps up. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I've been critical of this movie, but the way it ends just makes it so much worse. Well, this is the worst part of the movie. I told you the ending is the worst part of the movie. Yeah, um, so, so they, they, you know, if we go back, you know, let, uh, Levy's character had, like, turned her into a right. mermaid, and then she gets, like, Taken away by some government right. agency. Right, and then in the classic John Candy role, very similar to the role we see him playing Brewster's Millions last season, you know, Alan is like, he says, I fell in love with the fish and blah, blah, blah. And and Candy is like, dude, you love this girl. Like, I wish I had that. Like, I'm out here chasing tail all over the place, and nobody wants me. I don't have what you have. You have to fight for this. And so he decides, I'm going to go fight for this. Yeah. And then Levy does the turn, and he decides he's done the wrong thing, and somehow he teams up with these two, and we're going to break her out. And they make this massive plot to break her out. Oh, jeez, this is terrible. <laughs> so, so, so this is the scene that I remember from my childhood. Well, but, I, yeah, but I mean, even before you get to that scene, just like the, the, the head science research person, yes. uh, where they have her, it's just, that, it's just a totally stupid character. You know, uh, it, The whole build up to this it's like the movie completely takes a 180 on its side to where it no longer makes a lick of sense right that's true that is totally true and the guy who plays the um the head scientist oh he's I, been on lots of stuff he has been at first i thought it was the same dude that pl- played roy wally in uh vacation but it's not i had to look that up but he's been in a ton of stuff done a ton of voiceover stuff worked with disney and like winnie the pooh and all these things so he he's a very famous guy uh big career um, but he's a total jerk, and he's very self-serving in it all. And I think that, and that's where Levy gets turned off because he pushes Levy away. He, he, he views him as pseudoscience and, is, right. and, and just kicks him to the curb. So all of a sudden, he's like, "Maybe I did the wrong thing." Yeah. Or maybe hanging out with these guys is is what I want to do. But anyway, so they they hatch this plot to break her out. And my favorite scene in this movie, 
uh, is the scene where um, Levy goes in with John Candy and Tom Hanks, and they're going to go break her out. And uh, Swedish doctors. The, the, they're Swedish doctors, and there's this, you know, the, the, this Marine who's sitting at the desk, and no, can't go through. And so they're, oh, these are the Swedish doctors, and blah blah. blah. And and then he stands up and says, "I'm part Swedish." And then and they're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he asks a question, and then John Candy in Swedish says, I have a 12-inch penis. You cannot even imagine how hard I laughed at that at 12 <laughs> no, years old. Yeah. You cannot imagine. And it's so good. And then the guy's like, oh, yeah, if you say that, and, and they go through. Yeah. like, you know, if you watch enough nudie movies, you pick it up, and the best ones come from yeah. Sweden. Oh, my gosh. I cannot even tell you. Like if the that internet, was a pretty funny laugh out loud moment. If the internet had existed in 1984, I would have immediately Googled Swedish porn and been looking for it. <laughs> so, so they get in there and uh, they they well well the next thing is they have to go through another military another person. guy. So they've got yeah. the, they've got the really intense tall Dolph Lundgren looking dude that's stopping him the first time. And he's then like, they've got Buck like, Walter and he's got a helmet on that he can't even fit on his head he's right. Like, he's like the worst like looking military person you've ever seen in your life. And just in that really old like 70, 80s really bad camo. Yes. It doesn't even look real. Like was that camo ever worn in a war? It was, it was Vietnam era camo but like he's standing there like kind of heavy, kind of sloppy. I mean you... If John Belushi had been alive, it would have been a perfect role for yeah, him. Yeah, why, why is this guy the last line of defense? Correct. <laughs> and so they get in, and then they sound the alarm, and they 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 wrap her up, and they act, they act like that that she's bitten John Candy, and like oh he's hurt, and so they sneak her out, they speared her away, and, and the and the 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 dumb guard doesn't even realize. Buck that Buckwater, if it would have been John Candy, yeah, it take like six people to carry him out. It's like this, like tiny little wrapped up thing, uh-huh, right? Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, I thought that this. I, would, I would not let this guy guard, like uh, you know. I, this guy does hose. not fit to, to guard a Taco Bell. <laughs> it's awful. And so they get him out, and they're they're running. And um, you mentioned the cab driver earlier, and uh, th- there's a sequence with him waiting on him, and and they're they're going. And the and somehow they they've immediately mobilized the Marines, and they yeah, got Humvees yeah. driving they, down the streets of New York City, helicopters. It's like like out of nowhere. It's like code code orange, code orange. And and he looks over at this just massive squad of Marines and says. Up yours, Gomer. I'm waiting for a fair. <laughs> Favorite line of the movie. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, this is where it's just absurd at yeah. this point. Yeah. It's completely absurd. So you have the military chasing them through the city. And, of course, you know, it's not unseen to, like, see people outrun the military in a movie because that's kind of, like, makes it dramatic what they do. But it was just so dumb. And like we're like, and it was like very like Keystone Cops where they would get like yeah. cut off at every corner. You know, somebody would like run over like a fire hydrant, and like somebody would like get you know slip in the water. Right. You know, stupid stuff like that. This is not Batman that, that's eluding the cops. It's <laughs> no. a cab. It's a cab, and it's it, and it's a guy that runs a produce place right. and a mermaid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a weird scientist. And a scientist with a broken arm. A scientist with a broken arm. But they eventually get to the pier. They, they get her to the pier. They get her to the pier, and she's like, I got to go in. And Tom Hanks is like, go in, go in. You got to go in. And, you know, it's like, oh, I'm never going to see you again, blah, blah, blah. And she jumps in, and then Tom Hanks. Takes a moment, and he's kind of sad. And then he's like, F it. I'm done with produce. I'm jumping in the ocean. Yeah, and then we get, and then all of a sudden we switch to like the worst James Bond movie ever. It's this is where it's horrible. Like this is so bad, and so I've got a lot of questions for you people. And so it starts with, like, what he jumps in, and then he just swims away, and we get this bad music, and you know he he jumps in, and he's like kind of drowning ish, and then she comes up, kisses him, and then they swim away. So number one. Is Tom Hanks a human that can just swim underwater forever? Does he grow a mermaid tail? What happens to his clothes? Um, you know, it's just crazy. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Let's not skip over why well, I said it was like a, a, the worst James Bond movie ever. Because remember we talked about mo- how mobilized the army was? Yeah. Somehow they already had scuba divers too. Yeah. And so yeah, all yeah, the yeah. scuba guys drop in to mm. the to ocean to try to like catch them. And, and you get this underwater like fight between like, you know, you know, the mermaid, right, Madison, right. I forgot about that. And Tom Hanks, he's like underwater for four minutes now, like yeah. you were saying. Just near death. Near death, but they're like beating up the like scuba guys. That's why, uh, yeah. And, and then they escape to, to what you're saying. Right, they escape, and then the, and I'm like, okay, what happens next? Oh, credits? 
That's it? Like, we don't get anything else except for mermaid, fully clothed man, swimming underwater, credits. Right, well, so... Right, go ahead. I'll, two points to this. So I've got two points to this. Um, number one, which is not a, an, ex, a, an issue with the movie, but I cannot even imagine these actors doing this and just swimming underwater all the time with their eyes open because I can't swim underwater with my eyes open. Like, what? maybe it's too much heavy chlorine back in the day, whatever, but, uh, like, if it's Tom Hanks and he's going to be underwater forever, like, do his eyes adapt to that? Or is he just going to be burning like a mofo for eternity? Well, Tom Hanks was a, a smoker back then. He, he was. Might, he, he had he a hard time with that, hard, yes. And he might still be a smoker. I don't know. But I don't he, know, but yes. But he had a really hard time Hard time with, with the it. swimming scenes. All right, but so here is probably the thing that I hate the most about this movie that we see in this scene and we saw it in some earlier scenes too. Because I one thing that I don't like, or let me rephrase this, I like authenticism. Mm-hmm. Even if it's hard, even if it's raw, even if it's boring, I want things to be authentic. Well, and I think that's where we are with movies today versus then. That's a huge thing. So not only in Cape Cod, but also in New York Harbor, the scene right at the end. Now, I, I, I just got back from, uh, like, Mexico, Belize, Honduras, where it has, like, you know, one of the yeah. biggest coral reefs right, right. in the whole world. And, uh, you know, and we saw some of that. Off the coast of Massachusetts and New York was the most amazing coral reefs you have ever seen. It was. It was really beautiful. Beautifully gorgeous, it light was. lagoon. There was that, no trash. There was no trash. The water was clear. Bodies. There was like... There were no used condoms. <laughs> yeah. Bull crap. <laughs> I mean, that to Fair. me, every time I saw them underwater and they were trying to make underwater, you know, you know, Cape Cod look beautiful and underwater, they were in the East River. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they were making it look like you were in the Bahamas. Right, right. I was That's just like, true. this is stupid. I just, I, I, you, you've lost me on the authenticity. So let me give you two things about this movie at the end that, that, I, that I will toss out there. One about the movie then and one now. So one then uh, is it's possible if you want to read more into this, and I don't think this is the case, but, like, is it possible that Hanks jumps in and he actually dies, and that whole him swing off with the mermaid is him just going on to the next level of whatever existential plane there is? Because that makes sense, but I don't think this movie is that smart. I was about to say, that's way too deep for this movie. Right. <laughs> so the other thing about this movie, and this is why I think this movie might play in 2019, 2020, and forward is generally in the past we would have at the end of this movie the mermaid the woman who would choose to follow the man in this movie it is totally groundbreaking i think maybe not totally but somewhat because the man is like i'm leaving it all for the lady and that's not something that we generally see in film and it's not a stereotype that we generally see play out well, yeah, no, I think that is interesting. And, you know, we when we covered 9 to 5, which is around the same era, it's terribly chauvinistic, Cannibal Run kind of, you know, had those elements as well. And so it, it probably was refreshing from an audience standpoint that, you know, but it's a fish. <laughs> it's a fish. That's a, that's, a, that's a great point. We don't really understand what happens, like, when the legs grow together and there's a tail and scales and, like, yeah. what's going on. And, and you can't speak any more English and you're just down there and you just got to, you know, you got to so, eat raw shrimp. And, and So how long did it take, like, if they made a sequel, how long would it take Tom Hicks to start making all those squealy sounds to speak her language? Well, that's, so the, the great question is, like, what happens next? Right. What, right. Like, what happens next? Like, when are they fighting underwater when he's like, I just want a baked potato <laughs> for crying out loud give me something that's not and, raw and, fish and, and think how like like i mean within like a like a few hours his fingers would and toes would be all wrinkly he's not used to that right, right. And, uh, it, he's not gonna be comfortable for him at all no um, and eventually does, he's gonna have to get rid of those pants and he's just yeah. gonna be swimming around naked and his you know his hair is gonna grow long i mean there's really not a lot of good things that are gonna happen after this and and I don't want to short-sighted Tom Hanks. It's a bad call. I mean, I, yeah, and and I don't want to see, you know go too like rated R here, but how do they? How do you have sex with a mermaid? Well, that's my point. Like, what happens when the legs grow together and you've got the tail and the fins and like where's the stuff and? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, there's just a lot of unanswered questions here um, throughout the the two hours plus that I spent with this movie that I wish I had back. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, I got like weeds in the yard that need to be picked. Well, that's all right. <laughs> well, so I, I don't feel as 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 bitter towards it like that. Like I think it's I think it's still endearing in a lot of ways, and particularly on the nostalgia side, looking at a lot of the eighties. I also love a New York City movie. I love New York City. Passionate about that city. Love love anything set there. Um, I, I think there's a lot of heart in this movie. There's a lot of dumb stuff, but there's a lot of heart. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with that. The, the problem is, is that you know, for an hour and forty minutes, you got about forty minutes of really good movie. Mm-hmm. You got about, and I'm just going to split it up three ways, but let's just say a third of really good movie, a third of, hey, okay, that carries a movie, and a third of just like, what what are you doing? You're completely wasting my time. This is the stupidest garbage I've seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah. But this gets back to, this gets back to, though, to one of my things that I've talked about a lot, and that is that dramas can hold up for a long time, and comedies have a harder time holding up. And we talked about that with 9 to 5. Like a comedy, for a comedy to hold up, it's got to be really tight. It does, it does. And and I, I... you know, and once again, it goes back to, wow, this was actually nominated for Best Original Screenplay. And mm-hmm. it's awful. Not awful, but it's just not that great compared to what you see today being nominated for Best Original Screenplay. So I think it is a sign of the times. And so I think the positive lesson that we can take out of this is movies are a lot better now. I, I think that on some level, but I also think that they're less entertaining in a general fashion. Like, I think when we tick through those movies of 1984... And we we did it with ninety two mm-hmm. also. Yep. Like the number of movies that were just outright entertaining and weren't a sequel and weren't a yeah. superhero that were movie original. that were original, right? Like that's the key. Like like we can slam it, but it was still an original screenplay. Well, and the person that wrote it initially, and they had to bring in some other professionals to kind of help him get it, get it done. He was just driving down the highway, like California. What's the the PCH? Yeah, yeah, and and he was just like. Like, had this idea in his mind, hey, what if I met a mermaid out there when I was a kid and I came back to meet her later? You know, and so I, I do like that kind of, like, spark of creativity that actually turned into a tangible result at the end of the day that made $80 million or $70 million. Um, so, yeah, there's originality. And I, and I know I've been hard on this film. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I'm not going to fight you on that. Like, th- yep. there's a lot to not like. There's, you know, there's plenty to like. Um, but if, if if every movie that we previewed or reviewed, reviewed whatever, on the show, if we came back at the end of the hour and said, "Oh, it's great, it's awesome, you go go see it," the show would be boring. Nobody would listen. Nobody would listen. And if we agreed on everything, nobody would listen. Exactly. So I think it's and, I, and I'm not deliberately, right. you know, saying right. Right. that right. I'm right. not trying no, to no. create controversy. I just I. Well, you and I look at things differently a lot, and as much as we look at things similarly on many things, we see things differently, and that's that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. This was not. And it, it, it was fine. It, you know, I, I, you know, we always ask the question, when do you want to see this movie again? Mm-hmm. When would you watch this movie again, Jim? Um, I'm not looking to watch it anytime. If, if one of my kids or my wife said, I want to watch this movie, I'd watch it, but I'm probably not going to seek it out. I may not ever seek it out again. I, I would only watch this movie again if the other people that I were watching it with knew that I was going to parody it. Right, right. You know, well, and, I think and, that's and, all, that's and, good and, too. And yeah, just, yeah. You know, hey, this is kind of a dumb movie. There's some good moments. You get a really young Tom Hanks. You know, John Keeney's in it. It's you know, get some, but it's not that great of a movie. But if you just want to sit around, like you know, have some fun. Other than that, I don't think I really ever need to see this movie again. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm okay with that. Um, so, final grade. I, th- I thought a lot about this. I probably thought about this more than I've thought about anything. I, I'm I'm gonna let it. I'm I'm gonna let it. Graduate high school. Okay. I, would, I would give it a C, C minus. Okay. I'm going to go a full letter grade higher than you. I'm going to go B minus. Well, this might be our biggest disparity. Yet. I think it is. Yes. Yeah. I like this one better than you do. Yeah. And uh, and that's that's all right. Well, and it's and if you're thinking about you know based on this podcast, if you're thinking about actually sitting down and watching the movie again, you know if you like Tom Hanks and you haven't seen this movie, watch it. I mean, it's a very young Tom Hanks. He's a little overacting, but it's like you still see the charisma and spark in him. That was one of the things that I read, that when when people would even see him on TV shows and yeah. Bosom Buddies, even though it wasn't a real popular show, the Hollywood people would be like, oh, this guy's a star. Right, right. You know, he just it had, factor. He it, had factor. it. And he has it in this movie. You know, and, and so if you like Tom Hanks, 
it's going to be a little different than what you see versus what he's done in the last 15 years, mm-hmm. but it's still interesting to see because you it, see- it's yeah, watching his career arc, it's an important step in that if if you if you like him and you like his movies. I would also say if you have um kids who don't mind watching older movies, this is pretty good. This is you could sit think down kids with a, would enjoy it. Yeah. I, yeah, I think yeah. it's you could sit down with a 12, 13, 14 year old and uh watch this and I think they would enjoy it. Yeah. If they if they don't mind older movies. And and that's probably about 10% of kids, but whatever. Um, one more thing before we wrap. Uh, one of the interesting trivial tidbits that I found in this, Disney um, also made The Little Mermaid, as we talked about. They originally were going to make Ariel Blonde, but they changed her to a redhead so that there was no confusion with Madison. Did you know that? I did not know that. And, and I think Little Mermaid was made in 89, 88 or 89, so it's just – it's really closer to that movie than we probably – isn't it essentially the same story except for the girl chases a guy in this one? Basically. Yeah. Similar. Very similar. Yeah. And the villain is underwater versus being outside of water? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Disney's kind of quick like that. They, yeah. They're, yeah they they're real, they, they know how to make the cash. They're <laughs> stacking that paper, boys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got to keep Walt's head alive. That's right. <laughs> Got to keep that thing frozen. All right. So ultimately, that's what we got on this one. Do you have anything else for this one? No, no, and and, and, and I, I also apologize. Um, I, I, if you probably noticed, I was coughing a little bit. I have a little bit of a, a cold, so I'm sorry if that uh, distracted you. But you know, I, 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 <coughs> there we go. Uh, no, I think overall, Gross. <laughs> it's a cold. It's a natural thing. I know. I, know. I mean, th- 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 no, see what now? Now, if I would have followed a mermaid into the water with a cold, like what would happen when I cough? Would it just be like bubbles? Oh my gosh! How would I blow my nose? It's, it's like what? What would the hour? Or maybe that salt water like would just that? clean that stuff up. Oh, I don't know. It burns so much. Yeah, God, there's so many questions to be answered. I know. It's like we need. We need a. Is there any anything at all about a splash part too? <laughs> I'm not that I've seen. Uh, would it be called splashed? Yes. Yes. Time to get splashed. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> all right, so uh, no, I have nothing else. That's, 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 let's, <laughs> move let's move on to the next podcast. I'll see you guys. In the all right, so we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> listen, uh, continue to listen. Thanks for listening. Listen, rate, review, subscribe. Visit us at www.isthatmoviestillgood.com. Uh, we'll send you a sticker. And um, was it kind of like this? <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot. All right, thanks, guys. We're out of here. Peace. Bye.